This podcast is brought to you by Vinzero. Vinzero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit vinzero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From Vinzero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to Vinzero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Rupert Longbrook is Head of Asia Pacific for Gresby, a mission-driven and investor-led organisation leading global ESG benchmark for real assets. Gresby works in collaboration with the industry to provide standardised and validated ESG data to the capital markets. More than 180 institutional investors with over 55 trillion US dollars in assets under management use Gresby data to monitor their investments, engage with their managers and make decisions that lead to a more sustainable industry. Ruben joins us today to provide insights into Gresby's mission and work in driving a holistic framework for sustainability. Welcome to the program, Ruben. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Ruben, Gresby is an independent organisation providing validated ESG performance data and peer benchmarks for investors and managers to improve business intelligence, industry engagement and decision making. What is the long-term vision for Gresby and can you share how it started and how it has evolved over the last decade? Absolutely, and that's a great question to start with. So we were founded about 14 years ago by a number of European institutional investors. So large pension funds that invest in real estate, typically via listed investments in companies or REITs or via private equity fund managers. At that time, responsible investments, so to invest, to create positive environmental social outcomes was just starting to be an important consideration for financial institutions. And they were lacking insights and a comparable way to see how their investment managers performed real estate-specific topics or best practices around sustainability and ESG. So there was nothing there. There was no common language. And together with the University of Maastricht in the Netherlands, uh, they created the GRASP framework. And that was mainly based on how institutional investors look at environmental, social and governance issues and aspects based on their materiality. So what is important for them, their investment policies and strategies, and of course, outcomes, and then how to ensure that the investment managers that use their money to invest, in this case, in real estate, align with those strategies and objectives. So we've been doing that quite successfully over the last 14 years. I think generally GRASP is considered to be the golden standard for ESG scoring and benchmarking within the real asset industry. And I'm saying real assets because since then we've also expanded our scope of services to the infrastructure sector. So we are very much a mission-driven organization by industry for industry, investor-led, but everyone is involved. And we convene the industry and the stakeholders to determine what is considered best practice, what is material for the real asset industry. And then we apply that common language to assess and benchmark the reporting companies. So typically, who are the stakeholders when you talk about investors? Are they large conglomerate or individuals? 
typically large or uh, national conglomerates slash um, institutions. So, for example, in Australia, uh, most of the Australian super funds are investor members of GRASP, as we call them. And they do so because obviously they have a fiduciary duty, which is to provide stable returns for their beneficiaries. But as we now all have acknowledged that ESG issues have a or pose a potential risk to the financial system, those returns might be at risk, which is why investors increasingly need to understand what those risks are and how those risks, again, by their investments are being managed or mitigated. So on one hand, the investors globally use our information to make better informed investment decisions, but also to actively engage with the managers of their capital to understand what are you doing and how can you improve your practices. Uh, and at the same time, obviously, then those managers, so the companies or the fund managers that report to us, allowing them to understand how they perform, where they might be able to improve their practices and outcomes, and then to, to help them along the way. Ruben, you have had over 18 years experience in the real asset investment, working across the Netherlands, Hong Kong, Singapore, and now Australia, advising on elements of ESG. And for the last 10 years, you've played a strategic role in the development of Gresby. How would you describe the concept and the benefits of an ESG framework in simple terms? I'd say an ESG framework really aligns with a system thinking approach where you take a mid or even long-term and quite holistic view on ESG. So obviously, typically when we think about sustainability, we think about environmental aspects or issues, but equally there are social and governance aspects as well. And the reason why it's important to take the holistic view is that Definitely in this era of greenwashing, it's not just about setting a, for example, net zero carbon target or only considering environmental issues. It really is about delivering sustainability, uh, including, let's say, social benefits and outcomes for individuals, community, society, and, and of course, the economy. And being able to do so, specifically what we're doing for the investment industry, so doing well and doing good. So having a holistic view on delivering positive outcomes, while at the same time delivering strong returns to investors and other stakeholders. So let's break down ESG then by each element, starting with environment. What is it that you're considering with your ratings tool to demonstrate best in class on that scale? What is environment made up of? So I would say definitely front and center right now is indeed climate change and as such climate action. So think about decarbonization. As I mentioned, the built environment is a strong contributor to global carbon emissions, both during the operation of the building, but also as, let's say, electricity grids decarbonize uh, upfront embodied carbon. So that's a supply chain issue. And so we have different contributors to embodied carbon within the materials that the built environment use in construction. Think about steel or cement. How are we going to solve that? How are we going to decarbonize the supply chain as well? Another important topic that is increasingly getting traction is nature and biodiversity. So obviously nature is currently at risk. So it's about the protection, restoration and regeneration of natural resources. Because currently the fact that natural capital is being damaged, it reduces the capacity to provide ecosystem services to 
the companies and again our society so it's about understanding and perhaps even recognizing that these are not just environmental issues they are issues that will affect financial outcomes and that is exactly why let's say the investment industry cares and wants to uh, tackle those issues and so when we're talking about caring, that's where we start to talk about social responsibility and we're seeing more and more organisations now surface the importance of that. What does that look like and why do you think we're seeing that trend? Probably the, the, the simplest answer is because it's the right thing to do if you think about uh, social impacts and outcomes. And perhaps it's good to explain that if we talk about the S of ESG social, it covers a wide range of aspects and stakeholders. Think about employee health, safety, and well-being. Typically for real estate, tenant satisfaction is important, but also fair workers' rights, uh, modern slavery, again, in relation to the supply chain, to delivering positive community impact. Every building exists within a local community that it serves, uh, and it's important to be able to understand how the building, either positively or negatively, affects the local community. And then perhaps more broadly, it's about community resilience, but also safety, security, diversity, act inclusion, and very specific topics as well, including, for example, reconciliation or affordable housing. It's about having a future mindset on very key issues that are important for the society, individuals, and businesses. And again, it's about how companies then understand their role in terms of solving or contributing to, to positive outcomes. And then lastly, sustainability frameworks need good governance to avoid greenwashing and to be authentic. What are the aspects of good governance that are important for quality ESG reporting? And then how do you actually recommend organisations make that manageable? Is there a governance framework that suits best? And if so, what principles is it based on? I'd say that governance is very broad, but you could see it as the overarching or perhaps even the underpinning requirement for systematic and intentional delivery of those positive outcomes. So in essence, it's like the golden standard of rules that allows companies to serve the needs of their stakeholders, both internally as well as externally, and to do so effectively and of course responsibly. And that brings many benefits in itself, overall business performance, building resilience to future change, promoting trust among stakeholders. So you could see good governance or best practice in governance really providing far-reaching impacts for, again, the company as well as the stakeholders themselves. If you talk about different standards or principles, uh, there's quite some great standards out there. Uh, I know that GRI or PRI, as well as the new IFRS S1, they provide companies with guidance in terms of how to disclose on their governance processes and practices. And then, of course, for GRASP, what we typically do, we determine, so what is best practice? And we borrow indicators and metrics from those standards and make them fit for purpose specifically for the real estate industry. So we can measure to what extent companies are aligned with, let's say, best practices in terms of governance. Are you looking for a digitalization and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes, 
so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. Binzero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward, wherever you are on your digitalization and net zero journey. Visit binzero.com to find out more. So what are the ESG ratings designed to do and the Grez Star strategies and objectives? First and foremost, it's about providing transparency to everyone involved in the, in the sector. As you know, you can't uh, improve what you can't uh, see or don't measure. So it's about measuring alignment of companies within the real estate sector with those best practices. So participation in GRASP will result in a GRASP score and rating, which tells you as a company how well you perform on those wide-ranging topics of ESG, to what extent you're aligned with best practices. So it's almost like a scorecard on your ESG strategies, policies, actions and outcomes. But it's not just that. I would say importantly, it allows you to identify uh, what you're already doing well, but also what the opportunities for improvement are. And because it's a benchmark, we can show you how you compare to your peers. So you'll be able to understand you know, what is common or best practice, but also then have an informed conversation with internal or external stakeholders. Should we copy those common or best practices or should we focus on other issues or, or topics or perhaps just go for the low-hanging fruit. So you could say that in short, we facilitate the dialogue between different stakeholders by providing that universal language on ESG specifically for the real estate industry. And Ruben, how else are the ratings being used outside of the scorecard or the benchmarking for ESG generally? So I would say investors use it to drive improvements and positive behavior among the companies they invest in via actionable insights and proactive engagement. So for a company, it provides greater exposure to a large number of national and international capital providers that want to invest responsibly and sustainably. There's definitely some other direct financial benefits, not just in relation to managing and operating green buildings, but also a number of studies have shown that those that do well on the ESG, according to our benchmark, are also indeed able to create better or more sustainable returns. That's correlation and not causation, but at least it shows that the two can go hand in hand. And I also think it's very much about future-proofing your organization. And that's especially important in light of the recent developments we've seen from government regulations or policies regarding tackling climate change, decarbonization, disclosure requirements on, let's say, climate-related strategies or practices. So it allows you to be ahead of the game and build capacity within your organization to be prepared for uh, what comes next. And then perhaps one of the more recent use cases of GRASP is on the debt side. So we are seeing an increasing number of what are called sustainability-linked loans, whereby the company and uh, the bank agree on setting certain performance improvement targets. And they use the GRASP score or rating to set that target and then on an annual basis measure progress towards the target. And if those companies meet those targets and improve their GRASP score, that typically then will result in a lower interest rate. And especially in an economic environment where interest rates are increasing, that of course is a very attractive financial benefit on top of the ESG benefits as well. Certainly is. And what is the role of Gresby on shaping the conversation 
for sustainability of global infrastructure. You mentioned earlier that it's not just about the built environment. Yeah, so infrastructure, as we've come to learn, is quite different from real estate. Real estate is a very homogenous market and sector. Infrastructure, it's almost everything, right? It's transport, telecommunication, power generation, distribution, uh, social infrastructure. So think schools, uh, healthcare. We even have uh, a zoo and a prison participate in our infrastructure assessment. The natural fit of grasping infrastructure is that infrastructure exists by definition to deliver benefits to individuals, businesses, society, and as such, the social license to operate for an infrastructure company or asset operator is very important. So similar like we're doing for real estate, we are providing them with a reporting framework as well as with a scorecard to understand how they are aligning with best practices and delivering outcomes on top of the social outcomes that are core of their business. And so as infrastructure is a much more diverse sector, we have introduced a materiality-based scoring approach. And that means that across all asset classes and, and subclasses for infrastructure, the GRASP Foundation and its stakeholders have determined materiality for each of the indicators of the assessment, which means that if something is relevant for, let's say, a wind farm, but not relevant for an airport or the other way around, that that's included in terms of how they're being scored. So we're only scoring and rewarding what is relevant and material for those specific infrastructure projects and assets. And so the final thing I can comment on for infrastructure is that, of course, it has that public delivery of services. And that's also visible in terms of how infrastructure assets typically are operated. We see many government-owned or operated infrastructure projects or assets or public-private partnerships. So again, the social license to operate is something that is very visible to different stakeholders within, let's say, our society, which is exactly why it's so important for infrastructure companies and operators to show that they're doing well, that they are delivering positive outcomes beyond what their core purpose is. So Ruben, what ability does Gresby have as a body or an authority body to influence government on policy instruments to make it possible or make it more plausible for investors to maintain higher standards across the ESG framework? I'm not sure if we have any specific or tangible influence on governments and their policies. What we do look at, let's say, what governments are doing, which also often is driven by what the financial market constituents need. And to give an example, one of our newer products is a transition risk report, where we look at how buildings or portfolio of buildings performs in terms of carbon intensities over an amount of time. And we match that with country and property type specific decarbonization pathways that do take into account, let's say, regulations, including decarbonization laws or energy efficiency requirements for buildings, which then allows investors to identify potential assets within those portfolios that might become at risk at a certain moment in time. And then again, to have that conversation with the managers of their capital to tell them, hey, no, this is a risk for our investment portfolio. How are you either going to align with those increasingly stricter government requirements or will you be able to get on track with regard to your decarbonization efforts? 
So as we start to close out our conversation today, what would you say is the mission for Gresby? The mission is pretty simple in itself to help the transition to sustainable real asset investment sector. So what we're doing is providing the industry, again, property companies, fund managers, as well as infrastructure companies with the data, insights, and tools they need to make better decisions, including their investors, so the shareholders. And we know that this will improve sustainability outcomes and create value for all stakeholders within the industry. So while we're doing that, we're trying to recognize leadership, reward best practices, but also give those actionable insights so that everyone can step up their game and become an ESG leader or an excellent performer, which of course, in the end, will ensure that everyone is aligned and contributing to the best outcomes. And so when you consider the mission of Gresby and you think future, you know, 10 years ahead, 15 years ahead, what is it that excites you the most about the work that you're undertaking? Yeah, I think it's quite clear that some of the challenges that I mentioned, both environmentally and socially, are big issues that cannot be solved with a business as usual approach. And it means that our industry needs to respond to uh, those challenges by building back better. So we need to ensure that buildings become climate positive, but also that they support the regeneration of natural resources and systems and provide socioeconomic benefits on top of that to individuals and society. So if you ask me what I'm excited about, I think I'm excited because the leading companies in the industry are already rethinking their business. And they have acknowledged that there's unique and massive opportunity for this transition. And they've shown that transformative change is possible. So I'm excited, but also convinced that ESG will very much reshape how successful real estate and infrastructure companies plan, build and operate by taking a proactive approach. And hopefully it will make them, let's say, tomorrow's winner in a much greener and sustainable world and real estate sector. Well, Ruben, thank you very much for joining us today to shine a light on the importance of the insights provided by Gresby. It's pretty clear their impact cannot be underestimated and we look forward to hearing more about the results in the coming years. Thanks again. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at vinzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.